I think the thing that I'm excited the most for uh, is what I believe the Lord can do tonight. So if you guys have your Bibles, open them up to Matthew chapter 13. That's where we're going to dive in tonight. If you don't have a Bible with you, again, there's a stack in the back that you can go grab one from. I would encourage you to open that thing up tonight. Hey, and so as you guys turn there, um, just as we continue talking through this theme of 100% surrender and answering that question, what would it look like for us to live as fully surrendered followers of Jesus? Um, there, are, there are a few things that automatically come to mind when I think about surrender. And I just want to share some of just the, the, the simple, logical thoughts that come to my mind as I think through surrender. Now, I want to tell you guys this. The opposite of surrender is control. Right? The opposite of surrender would be control. And I think that if we're honest with ourselves, we love control, don't we? Like, we love to be in control of things. Like, if I were to present you an opportunity to choose one or the other, one option was you could live your life in 100% surrender, or you could live your life in total control of it. Chances are most of us would choose to be in control of everything, wouldn't we? And I think the reason that we love control so much is because when we're in control, we feel safe, don't we? When there's no uncertainty, we feel safe. There's comfort in knowing that we are in control. Yet I think that if we were to look at the track record of our lives like we talked about a few times this weekend, most of the times when we're in control, things tend to get out of control, don't we? Like I think that we overestimate our abilities to control our lives when in reality, our abilities are pretty slim. They're pretty low to do that. Friends, we don't like the uncertainty that comes with the idea of somebody else deciding what happens in our life, right? How many of you guys are planners in here? Like type A, you like to plan things out. A few of you? How many of you guys are like, I'll just go with the flow, whatever? Okay, you guys are my people, all right? My wife, super type A. She, she still uses a paper calendar, right? If you ever meet her, just please give her a hard time for that. She, uses, she has two paper calendars. She lives her life out of those things. She loves to be in control. Me, I'm a little bit more go with the flow, but at the end of the day, my heart's desire is still to be in control. I still like to have control over what is happening in my life. And what happens is that in our efforts to gain more and more control over our lives, there are things that we cling to. There are things that we hold on to with closed fists, unwilling to give them up, because in those things we find safety. And then we may think that they're good things. I think this is what happens a lot. We hold on to things that we believe are good things. But when good things become ultimate things, they become bad things. Does that make sense? When there is something that may be a good thing in and of itself, if it becomes an ultimate thing for us, more ultimate than surrendering to Jesus, that good thing can very quickly become a bad thing. Now here's the thing about surrender that I want us to learn tonight. That when it comes to surrendering to the Lord, Everything has to be on the table. Like when you give your life to Jesus, there can be nothing that we hold as off limits. And here's the reality about surrender. Like there is no such thing as partial surrender. Let me explain. If I were to give up 40% of my life, I'm still in control of 60%, aren't I? Just doing the math, I'm still in control. 
That's not surrender. And if, even if we were to jump up to 75 or 80 or 85%, if we were to surrender 80% of our lives, we're still in control of part of it. The truth about surrender is there is no such thing as partial surrender. It is either everything or it's nothing because we still hold control. I mean, think about this. A prisoner of war. A soldier gets captured by the enemy. When they have to surrender their rights, they say, hey, I, I can't fight anymore. I'm giving up. Take me uh, as surrender. How silly would it sound for that prisoner of war to go to their captor who is now in control of them and say, look, I know I surrendered to you, but when I wake up in the morning, I like a 6.30 a.m. wake-up call. I like, bre- I like bacon and eggs for breakfast. I want my bed made by noon every day. Like, how silly does it sound for us to say that? Yet I think that many of us hold our lives in stark contrast to that where we believe that we can give Jesus part of our life but not the other part. We can say, Jesus, you can have this part of my heart but this part I want to stay in control of. And there is a question that each and every one of us have to answer tonight and it's this. Am I willing to give up everything in order to receive what Jesus has for me? I'll ask it again. Am I willing to surrender everything to receive what Jesus has has for me. Let's read together Matthew chapter 13, uh, verses 44 through 46. It says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy he goes and sells everything that he has and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had so that he could buy it. Now what we need to understand about this section of scripture is Jesus has been teaching through many parables up until this point. Now a parable, if you don't know what a parable is, it's a simple story that would have been very easy to understand for the people who are on the receiving end of it. So when we read parables, sometimes we have to do a little bit of digging to kind of understand what it's about because we aren't living in the same culture, the same world that people were living in 2,000 years ago as Jesus shared them. But to the people that would have heard these parables from Jesus, they would have been very easy to understand. Very cultural, like they would have been very normal to the world that they were living in. And so Jesus is sharing all of these parables um, about what the kingdom of heaven is like. First it was the parable of the sower, then it was the parable of the wheat and the weeds, and then it was the mustard seed. And every single one of these parables was talking about the condition of our hearts and the power that God has to change each and every one of us. And then we see Jesus get into this parable of the hidden treasure and the priceless pearl. And Jesus begins this parable like he does all of the others in this chunk of Scripture. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like. Now, as we talk about this, as we read, the kingdom of heaven is like. I don't want you to think that Jesus is talking like the place of heaven that we go to when we die if we've accepted Jesus as our Savior. That's not what he's talking about here. The kingdom of heaven instead is what happens, is what we get to experience when we declare Jesus as Lord over our life. The kingdom of heaven... Uh, it is, uh, is the power of God, the rule, the authority of Christ in our lives. And I believe that we get to experience the kingdom of heaven here on this earth while we're still alive. Like heaven is not just something that we get to experience the day that we take our last breath here. Rather, the kingdom of heaven is something that we get to see and experience here and now. And that happens when we declare Jesus as Lord over our lives. And we surrender to his plan and to his call and to his way of living. So that is what Jesus is talking about here as he says the kingdom of heaven is like. And then he continues 
It says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that was buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy he goes and sells everything he has and he buys that field. Now I don't want to get too caught up in trying to understand every single word in this parable because the heart of this is again, it's a simple story that we should just take at face value for what it says in the words. But I do want to note that it says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. Friends, and if the kingdom of heaven like we just talked about, is the power of God ruling our lives. It's our submission to the Father. It's God's plan. It's God's way. It's God's rule over our lives. We should begin to find value in that. I mean, how incredible is it that we have the opportunity to have our lives led by the God who created everything that we know? I mean, what an incredible value that is. The definition of a treasure is this, something of great worth or value or a collection of precious things. Something of great worth or value. So what the scripture is saying here is that if the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure, the kingdom of heaven then in turn is something of great value. And I believe that we need to start to see it that way in order for this to mean something in our lives. Like if we see the kingdom of heaven as an hindrance or as a stumbling block, or as something that we just have to live with, then I think that we miss the point of what this is all about. Instead, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. And then it goes on and it says this. The man found it. It says, in his joy, he went and sold everything that he had, and he bought that field. I believe that that word joy in this passage was put there on purpose. And I want to talk about that for a moment. Because I believe that when we understand and when we know the value of living in the kingdom of heaven, of living under the rule and of the power of our God, it's a joyful thing to in turn go and get rid of everything we have so that we can receive what Jesus has for us. And that's what we see in this story. That when this man bought, he saw this field and he found the treasure, he was so overjoyed at what he had found that it was an easy task for him to then go and get rid of everything so that he could purchase this field. The man understood that the value of owning that treasure far surpassed anything that he had previously owned or had or held as valuable in his life. And the thought of getting to own this treasure meant that in his joy he could go and sell everything. And friends, the same is true for us. The value of having and living within the kingdom of heaven is far greater. I've told you guys this already this weekend. It's far greater than anything we could ever find outside of the person of Jesus. Now there's something cool that I want to note. That, I, that I, as I read this story, I see a bit of a difference between the man in the story and our lives today. The man in the story, when he finds the treasure in the field, says he had to go sell everything he had so that he could purchase this field. I don't believe that we have to sell everything. I think that we get to surrender everything. And I think that perspective change there is what sets us apart and is the understanding of what the gospel is. It's not a have to. Friends, following Jesus with our lives is not a have to. I mean, the reality is that you can make the decision for yourself on what you want to do with your life. You don't have to do anything. 
But if we have begun to understand the value and the power and the treasure that is found in the person of Jesus Christ, then it's a we get to get rid of everything. We get to surrender everything in hopes of knowing Jesus better. To better. Friends, and that is what should happen is as we see and we grasp the immense value of this treasure, man, we should desire to get rid of everything in order to have it. I mean, we should be chomping at the bit to say, Jesus, what else can I surrender so that I can have more of you? The problem is, I don't think that we understand just how valuable this gift is. I mean, it's crazy to me that the, honestly, friends, the gift of Jesus Christ is a free gift. Like This is the truth of the gospel that we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. There is nothing that you have to do in order to receive it. It's a free gift. It's been offered to you. It's already been paid for. You just have to receive it. Yet so many of us will look at this free gift. This thing has been placed in front of us that offers us the most full, the most meaningful, the most purposeful life that we could ever imagine. And some of us say, I don't want it. I don't want it. If it means I have to give up these other things that I like, then I don't want it. And it reminds me of another story in Scripture. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 27. This is what it says in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. It says, as Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, knelt down before him, and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 18, Jesus responds and says, why do you call me good? For no one is good but the one God. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother, he said to him. Teacher, the man responds. I have kept all of these commands from my youth. And in verse 21, Jesus responds. It says this. Then looking at him, Jesus loved him and said, you lack one thing. Go and sell all you have. Give to the poor and you will have a treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. In verse 22, it says this, but he was stunned at this demand and he walked away grieving for he had many possessions. Can I just ask you this? Both of these stories, these characters are presented with the same treasure. They're made the same offer. They're given the same thing. There's two very, very different responses. If you had to choose one story that you identify with most, which one would it be? When you think about the value that is found in the gospel of Jesus is your typical response to in your joy of understanding this value, going and getting rid of everything in hopes of knowing Jesus more? Or do you hear the good news of Jesus? Begin to understand what it's going to take to follow Him and walk away sad because you value what you already have more than knowing the God of the universe. I bet that if most of us were honest with ourselves, we fall into the category of the second story, the rich young ruler, who as we begin to understand what it takes to follow Jesus, the cost that it costs us, the things that we have to surrender in order to know Jesus more, we walk away with our heads hung low because we're unwilling to give up what we have. Now if I'm honest with you guys for a moment, I don't think that it's all your fault. I mean, you guys have been raised in a culture of the church where we watch adults 
And believers and people who have claimed to know Jesus for their entire life believe that they can claim the name of Jesus out of one side of their mouth and be friends with the world on the other side of their mouth. And the truth is this, that we can't have both. We can't have both. You can't have all of Jesus and all of the world. You can have all of Jesus and none of the world, or all of the world, but none of Jesus. The two things we can't have all of both. Friends, many of you have been raised to believe that the way to get into heaven, or the way to be a good Christian, is just to be nice people. And is just to go to church, and to do your best not to sin. But what we need to understand is that is not the life that Jesus has called us to live. If I could share with you a harsh reminder, it's this. Your salvation is not found in showing up to church every Sunday or tithing or not cussing or not partying or not doing what those people do. Your salvation, your relationship with Jesus is not contingent on those things. Like the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, for my entire life I have done my best to live your rules to do the right thing, to obey your commands. And Jesus says, you lack one thing. Sell everything you have and come and follow me. Friends, if that is your idea and definition of Christianity, I'm sorry, but you have been lied to. Following Jesus is not just about doing the right thing or being a good person or being better than that person. Being a follower of Jesus has always been about and will always be about being willing to surrender everything that we have to know the God of the universe. That is what it means to be a Christian, friends. And the only way that you can inherit eternal life and the only way that you can be saved from your sin, friends, is to forsake all things and to submit and to surrender your life to the Lord. Jesus says it clearly to the rich young ruler. Again, he says, go and sell all you have and give it to the poor and then you will have treasure in heaven. It's not just about doing the right thing. It's about the condition of our hearts, friends. And when we understand the value of a life that is lived under the canopy of God's provision, the only logical response is to say, Jesus, you can have everything that has ever distracted me from you. You can have everything that has ever taken your place so that I can have you and only you. Friends, I will tell you this. If you have Jesus and nothing else, you have more than you will ever need. I believe that with my entire heart. If you have Jesus and nothing else, you have more than you will ever need in our life. The Apostle Paul calls it our reasonable service to live our lives as sacrifices before a holy God. It's reasonable because honestly, friends, choosing to live our life in any other way outside of surrender to Jesus makes absolutely no sense. I've said this multiple times. Just look at your track record. Look at your life. How has it panned out for you thus far? You've been trying to do it on your own. How's it worked out? Has life gotten easier? Has it gotten better? Have you found hope? In crummy situations? Have you found purpose in the midst of dark seasons? How's it working out? Friends, our reasonable response 
the message of Jesus is to give everything we have in order to know him. Now, if I haven't said it enough, if I haven't said it clear enough yet this weekend, I want to make it very clear for us. I want to make sure we understand what this treasure is that we're talking about. Like, what is this good news about Jesus? What is the gospel? This is the gospel, friends. Because of our sins, because of our sins, our inability to live as righteous people, we have been separated from God. We have a holy God who expects holiness from His people. And because we lack the ability to live that way, Scripture says that our attempts at living righteously fall like filthy rags before a holy God. On our best day, and you only get one best day, you still fall short of the standard that was set by our God. Because of the sin in our lives, we were separated from God, but out of His deep, abounding love, God wanted to be made right. He wanted us to be made right with Him. And so He sent His Son, Jesus, to this earth, both fully God and fully man. And Jesus walked this earth for 33 perfect, sinless years. And He was crucified on a criminal's cross, wearing a punishment that you and I deserve. Bearing the weight of the sins that you and I have committed so that we could be made right with God forever. That is the good news that is found in Jesus Christ. That is the best news you will ever hear. And that news will never, ever change. Friends, tonight, the treasure of knowing Jesus and surrendering your life to Him has been placed right in front of you. And each and every one of you is going to have a decision tonight, an opportunity to make a decision for yourself. Which story do you want to live like? Do you want to be like the rich young ruler who can think that he understands the value that's found in relationship with Jesus? And when we understand what it's going to take, walks away sad because we're simply unwilling to surrender our lives. Or we can be like the man in the first story who when he begins to understand the value that is found in the person of Jesus, in his joy, his response is to go and to surrender everything that he has so that he can just have Jesus. Each one of us has a decision to make tonight. Which one of those characters do we want to be like? Now, if you've ever been to camp before, you might know how this night typically goes. Right, A lot of times the pastor will preach and They'll ask everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes and he'll present an opportunity for people to stand up. And that's not how we're going to do it this weekend. I've watched so many times a pastor make a presentation about the gospel. Ask everybody to close their eyes and ask people to stand. And what happens is people make spur-of-the-moment decisions that are not thought through, that we don't really understand. And what happens is those decisions that we make the last night of camp don't last two weeks past the moment we get home. And that's not what I want for you guys. And that's not what Jesus wants for you guys. The opportunity that you're going to have tonight is this. you got a decision to make. Do you want to surrender your entire life in hopes of knowing the God of the universe? Or do you not? For some of you guys, you're going to surrender your life for the very first time. And that's incredible. 
Scripture says that all of heaven rejoices, sings and shouts and celebrates the moment that one person declares their Jesus is Lord over their life. And so some of you guys will make a very first time commitment this weekend. Others of you will make a decision to continue to surrender to our God. Friends, here's the thing that I've learned about surrendering as I've, as I've sought to follow Jesus with my life. It's not a one-time decision. It's never been a one-time decision. It's something that we have to choose to do every single day. We have to choose to surrender our hearts to the Lord every moment of every day. Tomorrow morning, though, after you guys have gone tonight, talked in your cabins and so what time, spent time with your leaders, that's where I want you guys to talk about the decisions that you want to make this weekend. Tomorrow morning when we come into chapel, at that moment, I will ask you guys to stand if you've made a decision because we want to celebrate with you your commitment to following the Lord. But tonight, as you guys head into so what time, as you guys go to your cabins, I want you to have these conversations. Talk about what you're struggling with. Man, it might not be an easy decision at this point in time for you to say, man, I want to surrender everything. There may still be some questions you have. You can ask your leaders. It's okay to wrestle with it. It's okay to have questions. The heart is this, and that you would begin to have those conversations. To think about and consider, what is it actually going to look like for me to surrender my life to Jesus? I'm going to wrap up with an encouragement. I'm going to invite the band back up. We're going to play one song as soon as I'm done where we can just set our eyes on Jesus one more time before we go out. But I want to wrap up with this encouragement. I've told you guys this already. Friends, the greatest decision that you could ever make in this life is to surrender everything you have to know Jesus. It's the greatest decision you could ever make. I've told you guys this. Not one single time in my life have I ever regretted saying yes to Jesus. There's not been a single moment that I have ever regretted or second-guessed my choice to walk in obedience or to surrender my life to Him. That is the greatest decision that you could ever make. And if you want to see your life change, would you begin to pray about this tonight? There's a God in heaven who created you, who loves you, who knows you intimately, and He wants to be in relationship with you. Scripture says, I stand at the door and I knock. If you answer, I'll come in and I'll take up my residence within you. Friends, Jesus wants to know you. Jesus wants to be known by you. You simply have to receive the invitation. You just have to say yes. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. God, and we're so thankful for the sacrifice that you made with your son Jesus on the cross. God, I'm thankful that you've never let us down. God, that not one single time have I ever regretted or second-guessed my decision to follow you. Jesus, but time and time and time again, you've proven yourself faithful in my life. And Jesus, I pray that tonight as students make a decision to surrender their lives, whether it's the first time or the 50th time to you, God, that the same would be true for them. God, that time and time and time again, you would, re you would reveal yourself as faithful, as ever-present, as ever-loving. God, I pray for the students in here who are wavering and are unsure of if they want to make this decision or not. God, I pray that you would rest the message in their heart. God, that they would begin to understand the value 
that is found in coming into relationship with you. Jesus, I pray that tonight would be a marker in these students' lives that would change them forever. They would start a trend of not just surrendering one time, but surrendering every single day, in every single moment. God, laying down our lives before a holy God to say, Jesus, if I have you, I have everything I'll ever need. So God, that's what we ask tonight. We thank you for this weekend. It's in your name we pray. Amen.